Welcome back to the Sandlot, nine minutes at a time. Did I just almost forget the subtitle of my own podcast? Yes, I did. I'm soldiering on, though. I'm one of your hosts, Tierney Steele, and with me, as always, is Rachel Mummert. Hello. And today, we had to get the gang together to work this out. We are joined by two guests, James Anderson of Timeline Scavengers. Hey, how's it going? And Roger Wister of the Roadhouse Minute. How you doing? They're here to help us solve this conundrum, to <laughs> get back the ball from the beast. Yes. This section starts off with, as I put it, Gwent screwing everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Because uh, we, we allow spoilers here, and yeah. Smalls is right on the money. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Like... He has the one and only good plan right at the beginning of this segment. Like, they could have just cut to the end of the movie at this point. I love the... I had never... I was watching the clip tonight, and I'd never considered the unreliable narrator aspect of this movie. (laughs) Where it's like, oh, so the hero mentioned the thing we should do right at the beginning, and Squints was like, no, no. Do you hear me? Look me in the eyes. No. Like, way overdoing it. (laughs) At least that's how I remember it. Anyways, let's move on. Like... (laughs) It always reminded me of the Captain Phillips. I'm the captain now. (laughs) Look at me. Look at me. I do enjoy Squint's a lot in this segment. Something about the Mm -hmm. actor who plays Squint, like he always has to put a little extra mustard on every Mm -hmm. single line of dialogue that he has. Like when he says, forget about it. They are the simplest lines. The line, you've got it. Pull it up. up. You're right. Just that little extra bit. I, I have some thoughts about that too. These are not, I, it's so funny because I, when I was researching this segment, we'll, we'll get to it, but Timmy's line uh, after the the vacuum scene, uh, <laughs> someone wrote an entire article on like it being Oscar worthy performance of just that <laughs> one line. And I'm well, like, what are I we mean, doing here, yeah. guys? <laughs> I mean, I agree, but. <laughs> I mean, the cinematography, sure, absolutely. That, that. I never realized how what a gorgeous shot it like the feet coming down him like oh, somberly and then just that the foley work on that dust shake oof that is some <laughs> I love that is some shake. good foley work yeah. yeah so we'll get to our very own pig pen which is what Victor Dimatia declared himself but first <laughs> the beast dares them <laughs> to get the ball <laughs> <laughs> and like I've said before I you know starting with this segment of, you know, plans being put into action. I just, I love the continuance of the imagination of the preteens, you know, and the beast, you know, they, they have these, it shows it through the camera work, you know, what their imagination, like the beast is this ginormous animal. (laughs) Right, right. And then, you know, we get to find out really what the beast is. Later on in the movie. <laughs> right. And it also makes me wonder, you know, if like uh, if Smalls was forced to, you know, go home and admit to Bill, I'm sure Bill would just be on par with the first plan of like, okay, no, we're going to march over to this guy's house. We're going <laughs> to right. knock on his door and I'm asking for my ball back. Mm-hmm. End movie. No, I'm just sure. <laughs> No, then we get a movie of James Earl Jones and Dennis Leary, like talking- Which- Oh, shooting the wind for that, half an hour, that. and I would watch that as well <laughs> yeah. as an adult. How how did you guys feel about their escalating plans? They're starting. <laughs> I feel like they should have skipped the first one with the broom handle because mm. 
that was never going to work. And I feel like you need the pot thing is such a leap forward, like a, just mm-hmm. like so like such a good thing. And I feel like they screwed themselves over by trying to imitate what I can only imagine were countless like military movies where like they need like a chain of <laughs> yes. communication and stuff. Like throw that thing out there and then pull it back as fast as you can. Like <laughs> we don't need procedure. This isn't NASA. Like clearly NASA. Yeah. Like, clearly the, the moonshot is what we're what we're thinking of here. But like we're not on the moon. Pull it back faster. Go faster. <laughs> so James, you say as yeah. fast as they can. But one of the things I have down in my notes. A lot of these plans would have actually worked if they hadn't just sort of like waited for that extra 45 seconds after mm. they had achieved a victory. Like, yeah, just like you've got it. You've got it. Just like go at that point. Yeah. Then there's an, ex- <laughs> yeah. an extra 90 seconds yep. where everything comes undone. Well, yeah, yeah, I could have just put the ball in his pocket and we would have been fine. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, drop the ball. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> drop the ball. Uh, yeah. I wanted to be like, you got to, sec- you know, make sure you have that secure like somewhere. Yeah. Don't just. <laughs> Why didn't he use a glove? Yeah, like, exactly. Well, kind of a league him. of her own issue here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the ball. He had it. And I just, oh, just Yaya's reaction to the beast, you know, when he gets lowered and he, you know, he, he has that like open mouth, like the, and like the licking. Yep. And it's just so, yeah, because that is a pure reaction of terror. Like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, a beast. I'm going <laughs> to... One of my favorite things I learned researching this podcast and watching interviews with the guys now that they're adults looking back on filming this is when he comes up and does a... with his lips. Yeah. yeah. So David Mickey Evans told him, at scared, you know, like you're freaking out, like... And so <laughs> child Marty York... <laughs> Did what the director told him <laughs> oh, to that do, is great. and apparently Evans like called cut and was like, "What was that?" <laughs> it was like, like you told scared. me to, <laughs> and, that, and that was the best take, and so that's what they used. And so for the rest of his life, Marty York gets to answer the question of like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, "I'm just <laughs> freaking out as I was told to do." <laughs> It's almost like they're relatively inexperienced child actors. <laughs> they are. Although I will say, <laughs> it varies wildly. I really like, the the casting did a great job. And they talk about how everyone was tentatively cast. And then they got them all together in a room and like watched the chemistry and adjusted yeah. as necessary. And so I really do think they nailed it. And all the actors have talked about how they were like brothers on set. Like, right. they loved each other, but they also fought and, like, were bored and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> right. so they, they really did work well together. But, yeah, um, yeah, we, we go from the stick to the pot on mm-hmm. the metal bar, um, which, again, <laughs> I, Rachel, like you were saying, like, the kid view of, like, the slow-mo of the twisted metal coming yes. back yes. over the fence, <laughs> when in reality it's probably just scratch. And then we get our first Big plan are beyond that of the vacuums. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I just have to say, I'm so happy to see that uh, Smalls gets to put his erector set knowledge and Mm. skills to use with a couple of these schemes. Yeah. One of the things that I enjoyed about these schemes is how they somehow managed to incorporate actual baseball paraphernalia. Like, the, <laughs> like right. the, va- the vacuum plan, of course, they have to use a catcher's mitt as your right. like yeah. ball receptacle. <laughs> and then when they hoist Yaya up for the next plan, they like <laughs> use the catcher's gear. Yes. Right. Um, it's, it's, it's great. Where did they get these vacuums? 
Like, so, where? <laughs> these are the vacuums that they had at this time. They so, are so in trouble. They destroy yeah. three vacuums. Three mothers are going to commit murder tonight. <laughs> Did anybody else besides me grow up with a canister vacuum like this? I didn't have a canister vacuum in the house. I knew they existed. Like, I knew that this is what some vacuums looked like. What was driving me nuts was I tried to figure out exactly which ones these were, but they have been... They've been movieified. <laughs> All mm-hmm. identifying features have been removed. Mm-hmm. I think it's an Electrolux. Oh, oh I mean, yeah. it, it probably is. We had an Electrolux. My mom had one of those in our house, and um, and it was it was great. It was just like that. I like this plan a lot because, like, out of all of these harebrained schemes, this is the one that feels the most like something out of Mission Impossible. Yeah. And they're getting the helmets. Like, every time you see them, they've got more gear. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like they should have come. I feel like the the, the coming in from the side was a good plan. And I think they should have kept that for the vacuum. Because then you don't have to Mm. go through the whole rigmarole of, like, quick, haul it back up. You can just go Mm. pull it, pull it, pull it, pull it, pull it. You got the vacuum. You don't even need to have the tube get all the way over to the ball. And then you have that extra. Although, to be fair, we know now from the previous two schemes that if they had done that, the beast would have like exactly. he would have he would have sucked the vacuums through the hose <laughs> as he appears to be able to do with everything else. I swear to God, the dog in this segment of the movie acts like one of the monsters in Tremors. Yep. Like, yeah, he has <laughs> yeah. an incredible ability to like pull things through a hole that you've I've never seen before. Yeah, absolutely. I like the Superman pinch of the vacuum tube. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, and I like to think that the beast just waits until like he's watching all of this and he's like okay i'm just gonna wait until they almost have the ball and i'm gonna get their hopes up and then i'm just gonna screw it i'm just gonna screw it all up yeah (laughs) i don't have a massive but i do have a cat that that is very much her thing like (laughs) i'm gonna watch it i'm gonna watch it i'm gonna watch it you're gonna think i've forgotten about it now i'm attacking and biting you (laughs) yep 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 exactly my only question about this part of the plan is if your vacuums are shorting out (laughs) Doesn't that make them turn themselves off, not explode? Huh. I don't um, think they were shorting out. I think that's a I think that was a that was that yeah. was an incorrect assessment. Oh, they were they, they were over overheating, overpowering yeah, or something. And they get too when it makes them short yeah. out. Yeah. They overheat and catch on fire uh. is and then <laughs> now, explode is what happens. You theoretically could turn them off when it that started really when you hear there's a pinch tube. Hard. Let me press these buttons once more. Even before, Bertram and Smalls are watching (laughs) them with clear concern on their faces. (laughs) Right. And yet do nothing to stop this. I I have many questions about (laughs) the vacuum plan, but I also do love it. And I just, I love that how involved the treehouse is. Like, I get what you mean. If they could have come in from the side, it would have been easier. But I love the involvement of the treehouse. I love that... um, they really did build a practical mm. treehouse. So when they're yeah. on the, I think when they're inside and enclosed, I know the camp out scene was on a soundstage that was mm. replicating it, but they actually did get to crawl up. And they said like they were, they would always get in trouble because like the minute people called cut and everything, half the kids would disappear into the treehouse. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, no, get back here. <laughs> well, it it's a funny thing because it, it clearly shows that, that, that their thought is we need to add more technology whether it be a treehouse or erector you know metal wood to metal like what what the problem here is not the plan it's that we don't have enough stuff going on (laughs) oh yeah Yeah. 
I think this part of the segment has my favorite part, my favorite moment too, which is when Ham somehow gets him stuck in the stairs. And so the two kids coming behind him feel like they need to do an endo over the railing. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And I'm always just like, God, these children are such good athletes. And I know that that's just, that's just leftover from when I watched this, you know, when I was a kid, but like, oh, so good. Invincible. And when, (laughs) when, you know, they're, all scrambling to get out of the way of the exploding vacuums when, you know, we have a couple of them just like leap off. And like yeah. one of them does like a tw- like a twirl or like a somersault <laughs> yeah. in the air. And I want to be like, how do you not break something? Right. <laughs> Especially when you... <laughs> well, again, yeah, that's the, that's the as far as I remember, this is what happened. Because we all landed at the same time, even though Ham threw himself off and these people were already <laughs> midair when it happened. Everyone landed at the same time, as far as I recall. Yeah. Movie magic. Now, I did want to ask, um, we can do a round robin of, do you guys have a favorite explosion behind the character falling to the ground in the foreground moment? Because I have always been very partial to Harrison Ford in Clear and Present Danger, where you can watch him press the button... Yeah. Oh, Harry, you did not disguise it well that time. You've done this before. <laughs> and yet for some reason, and I, I felt like it really fit the Jack Ryan character, the CIA suit, who's like, look, I'm going to be involved in this explosion, but I'm not going to be suave at it, okay? You're right. going to see me with the button in my hand. <laughs> Gosh, so a movie moment where there's a gigantic explosion behind a main character? Yes, I, there's probably even a name for that. It's such a cliche. Does it have to point. does it have to involve a moment like the one from here where like the the blast wave like propels people forward into the air and then they fall like <laughs> on their face or could it just be an exciting explosion? It sounds like you have one in mind, so I'll allow it. Well, <laughs> I'll allow it. that's a very specific question that makes me think you have an answer. Well, I will. I guess I don't know. I'll shamelessly plug my movie Roadhouse. Um, Ooh, so yes. we had Pete the Retailer on on our show, and he told us there's only one person in common between Star Wars and Roadhouse. It's the person who did pyrotechnics, and that makes hmm. sense because everything in Roadhouse explodes like the Death Star. And so <laughs> there's there's a scene in Roadhouse where a a, a farmhouse explodes. Um, mm. And it just like it just like goes off like a bomb, and it it actually does. It hurls the people that are running away from it like nice. six okay. feet and six feet forward. So that's my pick. How about you, James? I'm trying to think. I, I you know, there's there's lots of when I when I close my eyes and picture it, I'm picturing uh, uh, Desperado or whichever one of those movies Antonio Banderas is walking. It probably happens in all of them. I'm picturing <laughs> Antonio Banderas, um, well, walking with uh, Selma Hayek. But I I like more movies where you expect that to happen and then it doesn't or like when you have a slow-mo the bomb hasn't gone off and the person slow-mo turns around and is like wait what's going like i i can't think of specifically what i'm thinking of but i like the whole genre of this the the whole subgenre of this genre of shot where something else interferes in what we think of as is going to be a, you know a cool walking away or running away uh, explosion sort of thing how about you rachel oh off the top of my head i'm trying to verify that i'm thinking i would say die hard too mm. i haven't seen it in a while but there's that when it explodes and you get john McClane and he's like ah, and he's like <laughs> in the air and then ah, i'm not doing a very good john McClane in the air is a pretty Pretty epic. I'd like to. Ch- I'd like to add a specific a specific answer to my very vague hand wavy answer. 
uh, Independence Day in the tunnel when Ooh. they're out raising the thing, uh, raising the flames, and the dog is like running, and the dog <gasps> yes! does the leap into the, the thing. The dog yeah, yeah. does the jump. Oh, yeah. it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> Where the fire doesn't know to turn into the little alcove because, you know, fire is real dumb. <laughs> well, speaking of real dumb, <laughs> what drives me nuts is that he says an airport attack. And I'm like, what did you just do? I had that down <laughs> in my notes, too. Yeah. This what is just it's that? just a, it's just a different airborne attack. Now we've yeah. decided to to introduce the possibility of human peril. Right. <laughs> So we're going to do it to you, yeah. <laughs> the most disposable. Yeah. Well, the the next most... So there's yeah, yeah, Tommy, repeat Timmons, the right. little brother, and then uh, Squints are kind of the three little guys on the totem pole here. Right. And so, yeah, yeah. I think because yeah, yeah is maybe more athletic, they figure... I had a question, or mm-hmm. just since you brought up squints, mm-hmm. isn't it a little ironic that they've put the the kid in the in the uh, the on the team is basically blind in charge of being a lookout for all these kids? <laughs> yeah. I don't understand that. Like, well, he also can't raise his voice above a whisper, even yeah. though he's supposed to be calling across a field. That's that was what's driving me nuts tonight. I was like, speak up. Who is he? Who is he not trying to be overheard from? A dog? <laughs> 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 yes. The a dog will hear them. <laughs> Well, these kids all would have grown up with it. I mean, this is yeah. very, it's really the last one, the erector set, where he literally says, like, it's ma- its machine versus nature now. <laughs> right. And I'm just like, hello, 1960s. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. These are all the kids that grew up playing World War II in their backyards. Mm-hmm. That's why they have helmets for this right. last one. I think yeah, yeah, it does. I think yeah, it does a really nice job when they decide to use the harness. Although I, I got to give props again. I mean, clearly Ham is the MVP of this whole movie, uh-huh. um, but just like to have the strength to be like hauling a kid up and down with your feet. Like, <laughs> yeah. That always stresses me out so much. <laughs> he is Can we strong. add another pulley to this, please? Like <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know the answer is no, and they're children and back off, James. But like. <laughs> just fall off (laughs) yeah that is the one thing that i will never forgive my grandmother for complaining about she said she would never forgive home alone because after that every children's movie had to have at least one shot of a kid looking at the camera and screaming this was her complaint about kids movies after home alone and what drives me nuts is, of course, she's like sitting up in heaven, chuckling evilly, yeah. being like, told you, and now you're going to notice it every single child's movie you ever watch again. <laughs> and so this section is just chock full of them. And some of them make sense. Like, there's them screaming at the chewed broom handle, dripping droll. Like, Ugh, yeah. I love that one. But then there are some that are just gratuitous straight up close up screaming child and i'm just like oh no she was right (laughs) i could have done without about half of the screaming in this segment yeah i i agree half would have been okay yeah some screaming we need not it really pointed out to me that the nature of like the who this is at least these particular scenes are aimed at i was like i remember when i was you know watching this you know when much younger and i was like yeah yeah, they're scared. God, this is hilarious. 
<laughs> See, that's interesting that you should say that, James. I have never, I had not seen this movie until about two years ago. I see, and I'm in my 40s, so that I maybe I have a different perspective on this movie than the, mm. than the three of you. But yeah, you know, you have to understand who this movie is aimed at. This is aimed at my 10 year old and my 13 year old. Right. Well, I mean, the the other thing about where we are in the movie is that we've left reality. Mm. This is no longer like uh, yeah. my favorite bits of this and. Bef- right, right. The the scene where the baseball gets knocked into the yard, I'm like, this is a different. We, you know, we can cut this movie in half, and this is I, mm. these are all perfectly fine, lovely performances, great, you know, all this stuff. But my favorite part is everything leading up to that, with like the ba- you know, baseball versus the the rich kids, and like all that stuff is such a different. It's almost like they let someone else take over the writing at this point because it was more like a a fantasy or like more of like a. I need, you know, I'm losing my audience. Let me throw in a monster sort of story, which is kind of fun. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like this whole movie sort of, and you've probably talked about this already. I feel like this whole movie exists in sort of a magical realism place, which oh, is, sure. you know, the mind of a nine-year-old boy and like sure. the whole segment at the pool and this whole segment here with this heist and, yeah. you know, the pickle and the thing with, you know, the James Earl Jones. I mean, it. this is how kids this age think which is you know wildly fantastically and unrealistically yeah yeah but it's a lot more the puke was a lot more real than the than the dog biting the the metal thing (laughs) speaking of that i i will have to say that the dog puppet that they use throughout the segment <laughs> gets, gets progressively more and more ludicrous. Yeah. I, like, I have, sorry, I've written down in my notes here because the last time we see it is for attempt number four, which is the harness. Based on the scale, if you if you freeze frame Yay Yay and this dog, <laughs> it appears to be about the size of a Holstein cow. Yeah. Like, yeah. like his mouth is the size as a about as large as Marty York's entire torso. <laughs> yeah. right. They uh there are pictures behind the oh scenes when they gosh. do the um the it's flashback funny. scene with mm-hmm. the police escorting the dog to be locked up forever. Sure. Forever. That it's dog large. <laughs> that dog walking on four legs is as tall as the men it's walking like Cl- around him. <laughs> Clifford the big red dog. Yes. <laughs> oh, going on there. Cuz that's one thing, yeah. I I I love that imagination part. Of mm. that, the you know this movie with the beast, just you know, like we said, like how it progressively gets more beastly every time. Yeah. <laughs> See, I was very taken with this movie, mostly because I wanted an English mastiff. I loved big dogs. My uncle had a dog that was three fourths Siberian husky and one fourth wolf. One of wow. its parents was actually a cross well. breed. <laughs> That dog, Bo, thought I was his puppy for a while <laughs> and and actually, like, would have to be at the at the end of the day when it was time for me to go home. Like, my Uncle Rick would have to hold Bo while my own father, like, <laughs> got me into the car because Bo was like, what are you doing with my puppy? And yeah. then my other aunt, just to, like, keep things fun, was a person who took care of the puppy Rottweilers before they were big enough to go to training to be oh, police dog. Wow. And so... I have a memory of visiting her house when I was like maybe or uh, visiting my grandparents maybe when I was like eight or nine not more than ten and she had like five Rottweiler puppies and I got to lay on the grass and like roll oh, amongst them and it was just man, like that's it was as good as you think it would be oh, wow. <laughs> and so seeing this giant dog with its drool I'm just like yes yes come be my friend. <laughs> 
So I had a very different reaction to the beast than almost everyone else when you're growing up. <laughs> and I do have a Turner and Hooch crossover for later oh, in this episode. Goody. Don't you yeah. worry, listeners. <laughs> so I did have a question when I was rewatching these. I was kind of trying to keep track of like the, the clothing that the characters wear as we progress each rescue attempt and i was like do okay do they is this all like one after the other and the same day or do mm. they take you know is it crap this one didn't work now let's meet you back here tomorrow and mm-hmm. you grab a vacuum and you grab a vacuum and <laughs> go work on your erector set and because <laughs> i can't see it all happening no i think this is day. over this is over a few days <laughs> And I do think they do a good job of that ball getting more and more disgusting yeah. as the attempts yeah. go on. Yeah, like Ugh. like spoiler alert, it doesn't matter if <laughs> if if scheme number four works because you know they're giving his stepfather Bill's gonna back. Notice. Yeah, they're, they're giving yeah. Bill something back that that looks like it's been mauled and chewed by a were dog. <laughs> <laughs> right. I know they could just be like, okay, let's just play it cool and see how he feels about the fake ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, we had said, like, oh, obviously, Bill is a big sportsman, maybe a possible pitcher, all this stuff. Now, this Bill, this ball did come from Bill's dad. Is it possible that Bill doesn't give a crap about baseball and, like, hmm. it's just a nice memory from his dad and maybe he'd be totally fine with the fake ball? <laughs> if he doesn't care I think about that's baseball, a little too far. If but. he doesn't care about baseball, he works really hard to turn his rec room into, like, a shrine to baseball. Right. They refer to it as his trophy room at one yeah. point. So I think I'm going a little too far. But I just wanted to toss that out there as a possibility of, like you said, would Bill be, would how long would it take Bill oh. to realize well, that it's like baby Ruthie instead of Babe Ruth? <laughs> right. Well, I mean, the thing that they don't tell you is that uh, when Bill was a child, uh, he actually knocked his dad's baseball into the backyard of a... Uh, he keeps it for that the memory of the friends he made back when he was a kid. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> they never tell you that part. <laughs> <laughs> they never tell you that part, but he would actually be very touched by all of this, uh, you know, history repeating itself from that oh, Sandlot man. prequel I'm writing. <laughs> <laughs> They've tried. I've seen so many, so many rumors of various mm. things, but um, I did have. In my notes about our actors and our player profiles, one of the things, so Victor DiMattia, who's playing Timmy, the older mm-hmm. of the brothers, the one who says, you know, I'm, I've been going about this all wrong. <laughs> he and Marty York, who played Yeah Yeah, stayed best friends. Oh, wow. Cool. Hung Aww. out together all the time on set and stayed friends afterwards. Now, they were saying, obviously, since they've been doing all this reunion stuff, they've all hung out together. But, um... Marty like went to his wedding and all that. Stuff. Like they they stayed fr- like this was their childhood awesome. friendship that that survived. So that see, it, it happens in real life too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He says this powder was three different colors of makeup powder, or maybe mm. there were three different makeup people like attacking him with various powders. Um, he said they would just dump it over him, and then they would specifically put it like in his pockets and the cuffs of his pants. Yeah. So as he walked, it would poof. Out. Yeah. <laughs> he said he felt like pig pen from yeah, sure. uh, snoo- from peanuts. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. The whole time. He has to walk so tenderly too cuz you don't want to you don't want to to accidentally like walk it off before you can get that yeah. that big shake out mm-hmm. at the end. <laughs> He's amazing. He also um he is one of the kids, one of at least two, and it's been rumored more. When they're filming that finale, they're just running around the whole time and it's summer. 
and they're in Salt Lake City. It's hot. He, Victor DiMattia, is one of the ones that went to the hospital for heat stroke. Oh. And had to get the IV and the whole nine yards. And was fine. But I mean, it's so funny because all the other actors are like, no, I don't remember that. And he's like, I don't think production really wanted to uh, <laughs> advertise that <laughs> yeah. their child actors ended up in the hospital with IVs because <laughs> of the heat. But I mean, it just, everyone talks about how hot it was. So yeah. it's it's not that. Mm. And then you add to that, this he was the one that got the powder dumped over him for this scene. And it's like, wow, you really... <laughs> you earned this paycheck, man. <laughs> Before I transition to talking just about them, Roger and James, did you have favorite characters from from this gang or from this movie in general? Uh, why don't we do Roger first this time? Well, I mean, I think I've already gone on record as saying that this is Ham's movie. He's He's by far my MVP, for sure. <laughs> I mean, he's, I think he's got the best lines and he just seems like sort of the, the one that you just enjoy the most. My 10-year-old, my 13-year-old both co-sign that, that take. Oh, okay. So I, 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 feel, I feel like that's a legitimate take even for someone as old as me. All right. So no pressure, James, if your answer is different. <laughs> well, no, I haven't, I haven't checked with my kids. Uh, I should, I realize now that I've come unprepared and I, 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 will, I, I will, I will send a follow up should, should Out. that happen. I always really, I, here, here's, here's an answer that's, that's as hand wavy as I, all the answers I've given so far. I always identified the most with smalls. I always loved Benny the most and ex- with the exception of, uh, squints at the pool. Which is a complicated scene to parse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> However, as you know, as Scott Smalls, you know, seeing through his eyes, it is yeah. one of the coolest wins of all time. So that in that one instance, uh, Squints is good. I mean, like everyone has their well, almost everyone has their day. I mean, I wish Bertram hadn't had his thing be the tobacco, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bertram's day backfires so quickly. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, ben, Benny, Benny has always been. The, the coolest both in terms of actual projected cool and also you know actual human cool where he accepts people <laughs> he's that that almost famous thing of like you know the the currency of being cool to people that aren't cool when you are cool sort of stuff mm, good point now you saw this as a kid you were saying yeah yeah, yeah. For the oh, first course. time oh yeah okay absolutely. so d- did it have any impact on you growing up or was it just kind of Background noise. <laughs> oh, um, I mean, you know, forever, and uh, you know, the you know, you're killing me, Smalls, and and all of that stuff. I always was tickled by Yaya saying "KK," but in like when uh <laughs> when uh Benny's making fun of him, because I'm like, D- what's his like? He doesn't repeat everything, but he does repeat <laughs> some things. Yeah. So "KK," but is sort of my in like I don't ever say it or type it or expect nostalgia from anyone. With regards to that, but that's, that's, oh, and the, also the extended drama of the biggest pickle any <laughs> of us, like, just, just really, really chewing up the, the storytelling uh, scenery of, of, of yeah. that line. I just, this movie's so great. I love this movie a lot. <laughs> Roger, what prompted you to see it for the first time a couple years ago? It's one of those movie nights where you get roped into watching something with your family. <laughs> okay. And my my older son has seen it several times. The rest of us hadn't seen it, so we just decided for family night. All right, we're gonna watch the Sandlot. And mm. you are not the target audience, but overall, what did you think? Because people have people have debated with us: is this actually a baseball movie, or is it just a coming of age movie? And is it good if you didn't grow up with it as part of your lexicon? So the the question is. Is this a good movie? Depends 
on your answer. What is your question? Yes, then yes. Is it a good movie? Did it hold up for you watching it for the first time when you were an adult? Well, Tierney, I've been invited (laughs) on your podcast as a guest. And so I'm going to be a good guest and answer the question this way. So I would say for what it is doing, it's a children's movie. It's designed to create sort of whimsy and wonder in its target audience, which is, you know, like I said, probably mostly boys aged nine to 15. I think it's great. If you're, if, if you're, if you're a boy aged 42, it probably doesn't hit you in the same way. I, I always Fair feel enough. like that this was a much less cynical movie than The Mighty Ducks. Hmm. I always feel like it, it adds that bit of Wonder Years-ish sort of like, yeah, it's a weird world we're living in now. But I remember when everything was simpler when I was a white oh, kid back yeah. in the 60s. So, Tierney, one thing I'll say, because you, wow. you did bring this up. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is a sports movie. Um, okay. Because I don't think, it, I mean, it, it does not, in no way does it fit kind of the the classical archetypal plot of your garden yeah. variety sports movie. I mean the the victory see like you they only play baseball as an actual organized game once and it happens yeah. in the beginning of the movie or in the middle of the movie and it yeah. lasts for maybe 5 minutes. Yeah. You know, this is this is stand by me with mm-hmm. uh you know baseball instead of a dead yep. body. Yeah. <laughs> It's a, it's 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 baseball as a culture as opposed to baseball as a sport. Right. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. That's going on our poster if podcasts oh, yeah, had posters. Is- no, Roger, Roger, don't say that. Don't say that. There's anything wrong with that because I already made the poster. So let's. Uh... <laughs> Fast work. <laughs> I totally understand. Again, watching it as an adult, it is different. I, there's a reason we're not doing a traditional minute by minute. Uh-huh. That's fair enough. <laughs> the the two people that I had singled out to talk to about today, the player profile, and I assume they're fine sharing it since they're almost always together in interviews and paired together and everything, <laughs> is the Timmins brothers. Sure. Now, here's something you have to understand. These are the Timmins brothers, and the older one is named Timmy, which right. means those parents named a child Timothy Timmins. Right. Tim Timmins. Now- why? My, yes, my, my, <laughs> then my they decided they needed to double down and name their right. second child Tommy. I would love it if their names are actually like, you know, Jasper and, and Gordy or whatever. And <laughs> my my grandfather's, you know, my last name is Anderson. And my grandfather went by Andy for, you know, whenever I heard of that about him. So I like to think that, you know, t- you know Timmy is from Timmins and Tommy <laughs> is from, it's a little oh Timmy, so it's Tommy. Oh, my God. I love that yes. so much. <laughs> Head cannon yes. Until doing this podcast, I had never bothered to figure out which was which. No. So I yeah. can tell you that Timmy is the older brother, played by Victor DiMattia, and Tommy, repeat Timmons, is the younger brother, played by Shane, I wrote out his last name. There it is, Obadzinski. I don't feel bad having trouble pronouncing that because in his Instagram profile, he says he has a hard name to pronounce. So (laughs) it's not like I'm alone here. I also would forgive you not being totally familiar with his over of work, the nine credits he has in the IMDb. (laughs) Now, now, wait a minute. (laughs) Shane Obadzinski was in My Girl, which Rachel, I know is a favorite of yours. And was in a couple episodes of Clarissa Explains It All. So I guarantee I had seen him. 
<laughs> outside of this movie. I just don't remember it. Mm. Uh, yes, he is online uh, on Instagram at his name. So is Victor DiMattia. Uh, I now follow them both. Shane these days is up to owning a pizzeria in Brandon, Florida. Well, so right. <laughs> if you're hungry for pizza... <laughs> In Florida, uh, near Tampa. That's where he's from originally. So um, he moved back home and now he does that. And yeah, it was really funny. Pat Renna, who plays Ham, did interviews with them, including with these two. And he said that they should get the whole gang together and basically reenact the uh, Avengers scene. The after credit scene where they're all sitting around eating shawarma, but it would be them eating pizza <laughs> in Florida. Awesome. <laughs> once the once the pandemic, because they were doing this when everyone was like under quarantine, so right. they kept themselves busy. So he was like, "That's what we're gonna do." <laughs> right. there. I actually didn't see what Victor DiMattia is up to. It's funny because he says this was one of his last acting roles. Now, I mean. Oh. relative but before this he was Dennis the Menace so he had done a lot of stuff beforehand they're oh, actually kind whoa. of a perfect example of a kid who had done a ton of kid acting yeah. and a kid who had done almost nothing but like enough to get a read huh. <laughs> yeah he was Dennis the Menace and he wasn't Turner and Hooch so there we go there it is there it is, Turner Only and Hooch, the other, <laughs> the other big dog classic. Right. Yeah, he's one of the little boys, I think, that finds the um, money in the beginning. I also love that he, if you go to his Instagram, he's involved in uh, the Boys of Summer, excuse me, selling like posters and baseball cards based on this. Mm. And what I love is that he got that from, originally this movie was going to be called The Boys of Summer. That was oh, the wow. title that they were had in their mind the whole time. And then someone was like, you know why you're associating that with baseball, right? Because there's already a, a super famous book called The Boys yeah. of Summer. And perhaps that might be a little confusing. So that is why it was changed to The Sandlot. Well, also, I mean, also there's... I was uh, going to say the Don Henley song. Yeah, I was going to say there's a Don Henley song. Mm-hmm. They probably would have had to well, pay yeah. through the nose to get the rights to that. Well, here's the thing. Because of that, they probably could have called it The Boys of Summer and like not legally been in trouble, but... Sure. It, it was kind of like, really, you're going to make your baseball movie and call it that, but it's going to have nothing to do with anything, you know. They made a movie out of that song? <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, if someone doesn't see a deadhead sticker on a Cadillac, I am walking out. <laughs> well, it's not a deadhead sticker on a Cadillac, but I do have some interesting information from what was cut from this movie, which was Timmy and Tommy... Saying the F word. <gasps> and because they would have said it twice, it would have bumped up the rating. <laughs> to so an R? I think at that point Rated they were thinking... R Sandlot? So oh, <laughs> when they were making this, they assumed it would be PG-13. Or in their mind, they had it that this was going to be a PG-13 movie. It ended up being PG. And so if you're PG... Because it does have two S words. If you're a PG-13 movie, you can say F once. Right. But because... Timmy said something was impossible. Tommy then repeated, <laughs> repeated him, and they were like, you can't do that. That would bump you up to an R. <laughs> yeah. You're going to change the yeah. character of the line. It's, it's up to you. <laughs> <laughs> if this movie had been PG-13, like, that would have been a tragedy. Like, that would have, that would have sunk the movie. I cannot yeah. imagine this movie as, as PG-13. That is not the audience that it is marketing itself to. Yes. And I do wonder, like, where, when was that decision made? 
Because this movie is obviously edited. I mean, look at the section we're talking about today. This is a PG movie. Yeah. <laughs> this is very much a PG movie geared towards children who see <laughs> PG live action movies. And so I do wonder, like, when was that decision made? Because it seems like that would change a few things. <laughs> But yes, they, they had some more swear words in in similar Naughty Boy news. I got a lot of good dirt from the interview with uh, Victor DiMatteo and Shane Hobbinsinski. Victor is the one, Vic was the one who confirmed the boys did sneak into Blasic Instinct oh, during yeah, filming. they did. <laughs> the summer mm. of 1992. And he remembers it because a, a lot of the actors are like, I think so, but I don't really remember. And he's like, oh, no. I remember exactly. We bought tickets to Fern Gully and then we like <laughs> walked slowly past the door and then ducked into Basic Instinct instead. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone else is like, dude, we know. Shut up. We are this official story is we don't remember. My mom might be listening to this. <laughs> Tommy, repeat, Timmons did one day haul off and punch Ham in the face. <laughs> <laughs> because apparently they have been getting it's so funny because they all talk about how much they loved each other and then it's things like um yeah yeah and bertram were constantly ragging on each other like the sure. tallest kid and the smallest kid were always fighting yeah and then apparently uh pat renna the kid who played ham just really got on his nerves and mm. one day he couldn't take it anymore <laughs> and, and punched him in the middle and also Oof. got a stern talking to as did <laughs> marty york i mean i'm surprised i'm surprised that pam didn't get punched in the face once a day like that's <laughs> yeah. his move but i mean there's got to be somebody in every friend group that whose job it is to just kind of like needle every other single person and mm. just kind of take them down right. a peg. Yeah. Right. The nice thing is that they do all get along, you know, yeah. it's just, this is, this is the dynamic when you're, and especially they were living together. They were working together. Sure. <laughs> These things happen, but mm. yes, I, it was yet another example. I'm sure of David Icky, Mickey Evans being like, do I need online Boys on set <laughs> at the same time because this is a lot. Like the phrase "hurting cats" comes to mind. Right. Um, and then the only other bit of trivia that I got when I was researching these two actually has nothing to do with them, but has something to do with all the boys and ties in very nicely with that. Like, shut up! I thought we weren't telling anyone that story. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, they all had crushes on the script supervisor. <laughs> that would be Becca Polos. They didn't remember her last name, but by God, they remembered <laughs> Becca. Sure. She also was the script supervisor for Mighty Ducks and Heavyweights. So this yeah. movie was right mm -hmm. in her wheelhouse, and she is still working. <laughs> nice. So uh, shout out. I don't imagine that the script supervisor for The Sandlot gets a lot of shout outs. No. So shout out to that. But you know, you, I think you're right. Yeah. You could watch the other actors faces as he said that. And they're like, yeah. And like literally like Pat Renna turns red and he's like looking at he's looking at his keyboard while still talking to them like, uh-huh. Yeah, no, I I remember that. That's true. We What's were so young then. It was adorable. <laughs> her last name is P-O-U-L-O-S. P-O-U-L-O-S. I think she's under Rebecca in IMDb. Oh, okay. But yeah, that was... <laughs> the, the clear embarrassment, even all these years later, was adorable to watch. <laughs> okay, yeah, all right. Yeah, no one it. denied it, but it, yeah. it was pretty funny how, like, they were they were all like, what are you doing, mm -hmm. man? 
That's hilarious. Called it the real life Wendy Peppercorn. So. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, that was that's my uh, behind the scenes research for today. I just wanted to kind of open it up to you guys. Anything that we didn't touch on that you were like, how can we not talk about this? Gosh, I don't know. We've covered so many things from this minute. We have talked about a lot, to be fair. Or not from this minute, <laughs> from these minutes. Can I briefly just touch on a on a, a, a Timmy and Tommy Timmons? Thing? Yes. Correct me if I'm if I'm wrong. We can just stop the conversation right there. <laughs> if I'm wrong, <laughs> one of them is the one that d- that disappears in Vietnam. That's Bert. Oh, that's Bertram. No, um, no, no, that's not Bertram. No, I'm thinking Bertram about. got really into the '60s. Yeah, that's right. No, because I think they own a construction company together. Okay, all right, good. Never the mind end. then, because that yeah. part is the one of the darkest turns I've ever seen a movie take in my entire life. Um, anyway, so we don't need to cut that. That's fine. I just well, uh, see, we, we had... did American Graffiti, yeah, think... so we're used to that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, fair, fair enough. It's a similar turn where I'm like, that was good. Wait, what? What was that last yep. part? Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. It's it's a little bit like, but not quite as good as what you find out happens to River Phoenix at the end of Stand By Me. Oh, yeah. I really hope Stand By Me minute happens. I know. I was just thinking about that the other day. I thought it was already happening. Well, there was a sign-up sheet. Mm, yeah. And when I saw it, it was not very full. And then I have not heard anything since. I signed up for it and have been feeling guilty for about five months. And I'm not sure what to do. Like... <laughs> I did contact Robert at one point, and he good. was just like, it's on hold. So good. Okay, good. you do not have to feel <sighs> guilty. There Thank will you. someday be a Stand By Me minute, and we will be on it. But good. Good. <laughs> the other movie I wanted to give a shout out, D5 does the Mighty Ducks movies oh, five yeah. minutes at a time. And yeah, very much a kindred spirit to this movie. Yeah, and the fact Benny's that they have that the same too. screen, same script supervisor, multiple, same actors. Yep. Yeah, Absolutely. if you're liking the Sandlock, you're you're gonna like Mighty Ducks. <laughs> yeah. But you're right. I never thought of that of the fact that because Mighty Ducks is set in the '90s, yeah. and it's you know the single mom, and it it's very different vibe from this movie. It's the it's weird. It's the same class of of kid, which is sort of like they're not necessarily poor, but they're not you know rolling in the dough. They yeah. have a chip on their shoulder, but it's the '90s, so the chip is like sarcastic instead of just sort of like underdoggy but that, it's, yeah i love the mighty ducks quite a bit but this is a much happier movie <laughs> especially the first mighty ducks where it's like drunk driving stuff and all sorts of you know also adult forget that's man how stuff that franchise got yeah. started I know. Yeah. <laughs> the impetus of that beloved children's franchise is a dui so <laughs> if 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 i can i would Say that if you haven't watched any of the Mighty Ducks movie and you're kind of looking for it, you know, to jump from this to that, start with D2. Mm, yeah. Okay. Because it's much more of a similar <laughs> vibe. And go back to a much, in my opinion, much darker movie, but that uh, has, it does have sibling, siblings in it, much like Timmy and Tommy, I yeah. will say. I will give a shout out to the movie Heavyweights, which we're, we're recording that. It's, it's 2022. The entire concept of, heavy it's horrifying like in this day and age Mm -hmm. it's about a bunch of kids sent to a fat camp however ben stiller is hysterical in it i mean the entire movie the kids are so good in it and it is so funny it is it is a much better movie than it deserves to be Mm -hmm. given Mm -hmm. the concept it's based on yep and again you know watching it for the first time as an adult it's not going to Right. Really have much of an impact, but um 
Yeah, this is yeah. a whole genre of movies that if you watch it a certain time, you're like, this is what an age of film we're living in. And any other age you watched it at, you're like, yeah, I guess it's kind of the same movie over and over again, isn't it? Like, I remember being like, this is so great. Mighty Ducks, this. Well, you got Ladybugs. You got oh, the yeah. big green with uh, with hams in that one, too. All these movies where it's like sports and also a crush on someone. Ugh, so good. And yet, <laughs> I'm not going to recommend it to people that haven't necessarily come up watching those. Cause... I think it's worth it for... for- for Ben Stiller's Tony Perkins alone, I think watching Heavyweights is worth it. I, I will agree with that, yeah. But I always feel weird recommending it, especially to people who didn't grow up with it. And like, <laughs> what is this about? And I'm like, it was a different time? Right. <laughs> Right. I'm sorry. I'm now thinking about that. That one also has Keenan Todd. There is also kid crossover in that uh-huh. one. So uh, I think it's pretty clear that it was a smaller world back yeah. then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Roger, I never considered Roadhouse for our classic summer movies that you grew up with thing, but Dirty Dancing was on the list. Is there. Am I correct? Wait, who's in Roadhouse? Because I thought Patrick there was Patrick Swayze. No, you're, yes, you're not so wrong. It is. Okay, you're good, not wrong. Good, Ro- good. Roadhouse is Patrick Swayze's follow-up to Dirty Dancing. Yes. I had a moment of horror where I was like, please let me not be thinking of someone else just with that same haircut from the 80s. <laughs> Roadhouse is, is not a movie that you should watch with your children. <laughs> I'm not even sure that Dirty Dancing is a movie I think Dirty Dancing watch is also your not. Children. Yeah, no, yeah. No. So here's the thing. You watch Dirty Dancing and you don't get what's happening yeah. <laughs> if you're a child. And then one day you will wake up and realize what's happening and be horrified. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but having gone to it's it's so funny um I've mentioned I used to work at a summer camp, go to and then worked at a summer camp. And multiple of the international counselors said the first time they drove up to like the red cabins and all that stuff, they thought it looked like Dirty Dancing. And we had a bridge that went over the river that looked just like the one. And so, you know, there there are all these Australians excited that they're living the Dirty (laughs) Dancing life. And you're like, this is Connecticut. It's not that exciting. Actually, I know someone who came and worked at our camp specifically because she loved Gilmore Girls so much. Oh, wow. Oh, sure. like, this, sure. would be, this would be her chance to be in Connecticut. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I got yeah, wh- you. Which, which part of Connecticut are you aiming for? <laughs> <laughs> and you do realize there will be many screaming children here. <laughs> James... Yep. I'm trying to think what connections I have to your movies. I mean, you know, you got uh, you got some nostalgic sort of 60s stuff. And, and I mean, like, what you know, there's some nostalgic sort of time, like period piece stuff going on in, in some of the Captain America stuff and the Captain Marvel. Your various captains sort of uh, movies. Yeah, you got, uh, you know, kids probably. I don't know. There's, yeah. It's sort of a fantas- a fantastical sort of magical realism through technology kind of kind of situation. Tierney, I don't want to I don't want to back up and step on the previous segment about my movie, but the obvious connection between Roadhouse and this cinematic classic is that they both heavily involve a, an important character named Benny the Jet. <laughs> because it, here here in here in the Sandlot, of course, we have Benny the Jet. What's his last Rodriguez. name? Rodriguez. Rodriguez yeah. The theoretical hero of the movie and Listen. in my movie in roadhouse we have uh, benny the jet or Kidez, who is uh, <laughs> a a martial arts instructor of of world renowned who actually trained patrick swayze and most of the other actors on set um huh. he's he's like if if you're into mma i'm not that person but if you are just <laughs> say the name yep. benny the jet or Kidez, and everybody knows who you're talking about there we go 
So there's your Sandlot connection to Roadhouse. I love it. Thank you so much. (laughs) You got lots of monsters that you have to steal things from, like Infinity Stones and such. Yeah. (laughs) It's sort of a, yeah, that's it. Did you want to point people to anywhere in particular to look for Uh, you? Yeah. Let me point you to two places. Uh, If you want to follow me on on Twitter at UnabashedJames, that's where I retweet all sorts of stuff that I guest on, such as this show. And also my shows when they come out, uh, that'd be cool. And then my show, The Timeline scavengers it's a a really wonky hand wavy mcu watch where we take all the movie scenes and put them in chronological order like based on when they take place and watch them and talk about them that way it's gonna we've literally designed it to last uh for for the rest of our lives so (laughs) except pete the retailer will never be a guest because release order for him (laughs) right yeah i mean it's uh yeah exactly we've 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 shot pretty much any any semblance of uh, you can explain it in, in you know five words or less uh, out the window and, and into smithereens. But you can follow uh, Timeline Scavengers at Timeline Scav on Twitter. It's it's a wild ride that I can't believe uh, my co-host Colin actually agreed to let me take him on because it's actually <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous, but it's pretty fun too. And Roger, where would you like to uh, point our listeners to for your stuff? So as of now, uh, there's really just one place to go, uh, which is Roadhouse Minute, which you can, uh, if you want to come and listen to us talk about the best bad movie of all time, one minute at a time, you can get it from all your favorite pod catching apps. Um, you can come and join us on Facebook at the new Double Deuce. And if, if you're looking for a very low fidelity, this is sort of like the, the pre-Roadhouse Minute effort. My wife and I uh, also have another podcast out there called I Think I Saw That, uh, which it, it has entertainment value. The conceit is this. I pretty much remember everything about any movie that I've seen. And my wife, Marcy, can watch a movie tonight and like have forgotten it by tomorrow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so, so, so we take movies that we both have seen. We talk about what we think we remember from them. Then we watch them. And then we talk about them afterwards. Uh-huh. Um, so that's, that's enjoyable. That'll probably become our main project when this project ends, if it ever does. That is a beautiful conceit for a podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, listeners, please come back and listen to some more of The Sandlot, nine minutes at a time. 